Hey guys, and welcome to the Pot of Three EDH podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Brandon. I'm Matt. And I'm Bert. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. So sorry that this episode is a few days behind. We've had some unforeseen circumstances pop up, uh, but we are able to record now, and we are so thankful for that. Thank you for your patience. Um, as well as the winners were announced for our giveaway that we did for the Time Spiral Remastered box and the other goodies. And so those have been shipped out and sent to you, so keep an eye on that. And we're so excited for uh, giveaways in the future and so thankful for everyone that participated as well. Definitely. Uh, so today we're going to be talking about proxies, uh, which is a pretty hot-button topic in the Magic the Gathering community, specifically Commander community. So we figured we'd go ahead and spin an episode just talking about our thoughts on proxies, uh, etc. So... Opening up, I guess, before we get started, did anybody play any cool games in the past week and a half? Uh, I uh, did on Friday. I was able to uh, hang out with uh, some friends of mine and get some games in. I was able to uh, play my Essica deck a little more and get a better feel for it. Uh, I realized that if you have a planeswalker, predominantly planeswalker deck, you're going to spend the majority of your time just uh, putting your planeswalkers from the battlefield into your graveyard from combat damage. So uh, I definitely found something I needed to work on with it. But um, that was uh, mostly it. Just got some good testing in. Good. What about you, Bert? I unfortunately haven't played many games. Hopefully with that change in the upcoming week and this weekend and stuff like that. Um, so looking forward to play this weekend. Yeah, I'm the same way. I have not played a game in a long time, so I'm kind of ready to get back into the swing of things uh, after this week is over. But um, all my decks, I tweaked Zur a little bit, so uh, it's not as controlly now. It's more, um, it's still cycles Zur, but I have like Mole Drifters and stuff in there to get super value out of it. Uh, so that's exciting. So I can't wait to test it out. But let's go ahead and hop right into the, the big topic itself, proxies. So just to get a kind of get the gist of where we all stand before we get started, where do you guys stand on the idea of proxies? Like, and like, are you pro-proxy, against proxies? Kind of where are you on that line? I would definitely say I am... Uh... I am pro proxy, as would be evidenced by the uh, the stream from a couple weeks ago. I was spending a good amount of time taking cards in and out of uh, sleeves um, to to accommodate for the proxies I have. But there are caveats to my stance, though, which I'm sure we'll get into as the episode goes on. Uh, 
Yeah, what about you, Bert? Yeah, I'm definitely pro Poxy, especially given like whatever the reserve list is doing right now. We definitely especially to get like newer players and have them kind of evolve uh, I think it's going to be healthy for the game just to have proxies available. Um, definitely, like Matt said, though, we're definitely going to have some caveats to proxy use. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. I think that car prices in general have been going up. So uh, my stance has changed a little bit about proxies over time, but I'm also pro proxy with the caveats, Matt, that you kind of talked about, which we'll go into here in a little bit, actually. Um so with that out of the way, kind of knowing where we all stand. So based on your previous experience, Matt, I know you said when we did the stream you were proxying. What is your process for proxying cards? So I origin. I know that the the accept the generally accepted uh, practice for proxying is uh, to print off uh, on colored or black and white paper and cut out um, card sized proxies and insert them into sleeves but I honestly found uh, that I tend to just write on the back of a on the back of like a basic land um, what the card is that I'm proxying and I just throw it in a double sleeve and throw it in the deck uh, I, I know that it's not the prettiest and um, I certainly understand for any competitive events that require uh, printed proxies, like if, if it's a if it's non-sanctioned and being ran through a shop that's allowing for proxies, I certainly get that of wanting to have printed proxies just for clar clarity. Um, but I just just because I burn through <laughs> deck um, builds so often, I'm constantly changing and tweaking stuff. Um, I kind of stopped printing stuff. I just started writing stuff on the back of cards, um, and just going with that. And also, I've, this is just me, and this may just be me being weird. I feel like paper proxies, um, affect shuffle feel just because you're making, after a while, you're making the deck, um, thicker. Maybe not by a lot, but... Uh, by some amount, and I and back when I had a lot of paper proxies, uh, I could definitely notice a shuffle feel. So as of right now, I'm just really basic and boring. I just sharpie the back of a card and throw it in the sleeve and call it a day. <laughs> yeah, I remember seeing that. Now, I think that that's fine. Like I'm definitely more on the printed proxies kind of way, but I definitely understand the shuffle feel. Um, I just like having it because it's less of a distraction to me. Uh, especially with the amount that I play on virtual EDH, I want something to come across that you can click on with spell table. But that's just my feel on that. Bert, what about you? Um, yeah, I definitely enjoy printing out the cards. Um, part of it is for me because typically if I'm making a proxy for it, I probably don't know the card that will. So it's probably new to me. Uh, so I probably need to read it every time I play it. Um, second, I like for my proxies to be... Like, I like for you to be able to tell them that they're fake. Because um, I want you to know that it's proxy. I don't, I don't want anybody to think that it's real. So a lot of my proxies will always be in black and white. I typically don't even print them in color. Um, but, yeah, yeah, that's just what I do personally. Yeah, no, that's another good thing is you don't want to, like, try and, you know, come across as, like, a counterfeit card versus, like, hey, 
I'm testing this out, or hey, I own this in another deck, etc. You know, or I, it's in the mail. That's another good thing. I've done that before. Where if the LGS didn't have a card that I needed while I was there, I would just go ahead and proxy it and go ahead and place the order online while I'm sitting there, just so I feel a little bit better. But um, I know that proxies are divisive in the sense that people have definitely had bad experiences with them. I'm sure there are people that proxy the most powerful cards in the game just to try and absolutely dominate whoever they're playing. And I definitely think, you know, that is something that people have experienced before. Luckily I have not, uh, but that can be super annoying. I definitely think that proxying comes with its own little set of rules. I guess you could say, uh, whereas you're really trying to proxy to keep up with the power level of your group, not necessarily pub stomp. And I'm sure y'all feel the same. Is there anything else you want to add to that before we move on? Um, I, yeah, I would definitely say, uh, that I, I do feel like there's a, um, a line that, that you can cross with creating proxies. Um, like my rule of thumb that I use, uh, when I'm creating proxies is do I have any, um, is it possible or do I have any intention of owning this card at some point in my, uh, my life? So that's, that, that's kind of the bar that I start with. Like I, I, for example, I know that one proxy that, uh, is quite popular in EDH, um, in, and in other eternal formats, but mostly it's associated with EDH at this point, I would say is Gaia's Cradle. I, I am most likely never going to own a guy's cradle just to be perfectly honest so i don't feel the need to proxy a guy's cradle even though you know most of the decks that i build would probably benefit greatly from having one um i just don't think it's fair to the people who i play with to be like here's this you know uh i don't know how expensive it is probably in the in at least a thousand at this point. Now here's this thousand dollar card. I'm probably never going to own that. You have to play against. That's also not real. Um, on the same hand, on the same note though, uh, like a hundred dollar card, two hundred dollar card, um, like I don't know, man of mana crypt. Um, I don't have any problem with the idea of somebody proxying that, for example, especially since it's such a staple of the format. Yeah, that, that I understand. Like, you know, I used to be very much the, if I don't, if I'm never going to own it, I'll never proxy it. And I'm still kind of on that route, like, especially when it comes to cards like Guy's Cradle, which is now like, uh, yeah, like, I think a thousand or eleven hundred dollars. Um, but Mana Crypt, like, I definitely have considered proxying it because I've always considered buying it because everybody else has it. But like... I just always end up being like, eh, and I actually don't end up, I've actually, this is super weird, this is a complete side note, but, and this is probably just because I'm really bad at the game, but I barely, I don't run a lot of soul rings in a lot of my decks. I think I have like two out of five decks have soul rings in them. Um, but, but as far as, pro, back to proxying, yeah, I, I typically, I don't, I don't, yeah, I really don't proxy unless I own it or unless I'm going to own it just because... I don't want, like, what if that one card is, like, the reason my deck runs so smoothly? And it's like, 
well, if I'm never going to own it and I don't own it, then it almost feels fake to me. I don't know. That's just my weird opinion. Yeah, there's definitely a level of self-awareness you have to have when you're proxying cards. Um, for for example, it's just like you guys are like, um, Guy's Cradle is a card you never own. So I, I own a Guy's Cradle, um, but it's only in one deck. So me personally, just because I own a Guy's Cradle in one deck doesn't mean every deck I think Guy's Cradle would be great in, I'm going to put it in, right? Um, so I can... Like, by having that one doesn't give me the right to proxy it for every one of my decks, right? I want variety in each of one of my decks. Um, it's the same thing for Mana Crypt. I have a total of, what, four Mana Crypts um, out of 11 decks. Um, the four that have those kind of need that speed to kind of keep up with the rest of the table um, to kind of be explosive. So that's kind of how I just kind of look at it, especially for my decks. Mm-hmm. That's a good point, too, because, like, there is that, you know, that's how I am, like, for example, my fetch lands, right? Fetch lands have, or, like, let, let me put it even simpler than that. Um, stuff like Ristic Study, Sylvan Library, they've crept up to about 30 to $40. And there's several decks, for example, that Sylvan Library helps my deck out a lot, but I really don't want to own, like, three to four copies of Sylvan Library, especially at $40 a piece. So, I normally, I'll own that and I'll proxy that. You know, for different decks, or I'll put in, like, I've been using the uh, Zendikar Rising uh, modal double-faced card, like, empty tokens that they give you to write it in. And so I've been using that as a placeholder in my deck, and then I have my binder. I have a small, tiny binder that I keep to the side when I'm playing, so I can quickly pull the card out and put it on the battlefield so it's the proxy gets replaced pretty quickly. Um but yeah, certain cards like that I'll put into every deck that needs it. But yeah, like stuff like Ice Cradle, I don't think I'm with you. I don't know if I would do something that, that was that powerful. And also not every deck needs it, you know. Definitely. Yeah, I feel like that's a I feel like that's a pitfall people kind of fall into is like, well, I have this I have this one card, now every deck needs it. Like that's not necessarily true you know build the optimum deck but you don't just because you own one of this card you know you own one chains of mephistopheles every black deck that you have doesn't need to have that in it necessarily exactly yeah cha <laughs> yeah especially chains <laughs> um or like stuff like not every deck that plays blue needs a pact of negation just so y'all know Right. That hurt. That hurts even worse when you get countered to when you're about to win the game by a proxy pact of negation. Um, so I think we're yeah on the same consensus, and I think a lot of people listening to us are as well. That don't proxy to pub stomp, but definitely if you need to proxy to keep up with your play group, like I don't think you should feel bad. I definitely think you need to have the rule zero conversation with them about that, because. I mean, you need to let them know, hey, I've got proxies in this deck. Uh, their cards either I own or I'm going to own, or I just need them. I can't afford them, but I want to be able to play. I think a lot of groups will understand that. Um, and, you know, a lot of people want to play against you. They don't really, as long as you're not there, like, absolutely wiping the floor with some proxies, no one's going to mind. I, I promise you. Um, so moving on, actually, that's a pretty good segue. What do you guys think, what type of environment incentivizes proxying cards? I'll start with you, Matt. Well, I think we've we've basically touched on the largest component of it, which is is going to be pricing. Like a lot of people, um, myself included, you know, who we're not necessarily. I'm not. I wouldn't necessarily consider myself a budget player because I do own nice cards, 
Um, but I don't want to go out of my way to own multiples of those nice cards. Um, so, you know, once once I have my one, I'm good. And I'm probably and if I need it in another deck, I'll probably just swap it in and out. Um, as far as an immediate like play environment goes, I do think that your pod, uh, your normal play group, is going to play a large role in that because you know if you have the ability through proxying a few cards to be on more equal footing with your immediate play group then i don't think that they'll find any problem with that necessarily unless your entire goal is to just proxy every card at, at on a whim that is you know the silver bullet to your friend's deck like you'll you'll quickly fall out of favor with people if you're doing stuff like that but um i feel like price is the main component and also uh keeping up with your play group are probably the biggest environmental factors that i can think of that would cause someone to proxy is another thing i know at the shop when there were people trying to get into cdh there was a lot of talk where people were just like, hey, I mean, if you want to play, just go ahead and proxy up a deck and go ahead and hop in. Um, they didn't mind the proxies. They actually wanted just more people to play at that higher level. Yeah, and the saying, kind of like what we've said, is they want to play against you, not your wallet, which is something Christian used to say a lot, and he was the big one of the people that really want to play CDH. And so, I mean, especially, in, and bro, we've talked about this off of the microphone before, Kind of like what you were saying was, you know, especially when you're playing at that high level, like there's not really a lot you could proxy that would do more than what that format's already doing. So that's a more, that's a safer environment to proxy, kind of like what you were saying. Um, but yeah, I agree. I think the general card prices due to power creep uh, is, is causing some players that need to proxy just to play the game. Um, I mean, you can get a pre-con and you can do some slight upgrades, but that'll only take you so far especially if you have like a local meta that's not maybe not cdh but definitely up there kind of like our lgs commander local meta is definitely more like casual competitive like the decks are really strong uh, they have powerful synergies and so going in to those pods with a pre-con even slightly upgraded you're really not going to fare that well so i definitely understand uh that that environment that incentivizes it for sure um I, I do think there is another yet another caveat when it comes to proxying. Like we were talking about ways to proxy, printing off, writing on the back of a card, whatever to represent the card. The one thing I definitely don't think anybody should do is purchase cards off of websites online for the sake of proxying a card that looks exactly like the actual card, a.k.a. counterfeits, because that really does hurt the game. Um... I've seen a lot of people purchase counterfeits and show them off at the LGS and be like, look how real this looks, blah, blah, blah. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, don't, don't do that. Like you want, like Bert said earlier, you want them people to know that they're proxies. You know what I mean? You don't want to try and pass it off as if you have a card that you don't. Um, have y'all experienced counterfeits in the wild or have any strong feelings about them? I, uh, I have seen, uh, like, See, this is this is kind of where the line becomes a little blurry uh, is because 
I wouldn't consider buying a, I, I consider buying proxies and buying, buying counterfeits to be kind of two separate things. Um, because by, by what I mean is if I was to get a, order a card um, that someone has altered to, um, and this is not, this wouldn't be considered an alter also because you're buying a card a completely fabricated card, not the card itself. Like if I if I was was to buy a soul ring, which is not actually a soul ring, like it's it's soul ring, but the art is Smeagol hold from Lord of the Rings holding the ring, you know, and it's not the card itself is not soul ring. It's it it's it itself is fake. That is not trying to pass itself off as a magic card. Um, because that's just a, I would consider like a high quality, uh, premium, if you will, proxy that you've decided to spend money on. I don't think there's any problem with that. I do think that, uh, spending money to, uh, ba to spending money on a pretty detrimental, uh, negative part of, uh, the environment that magic has to put up with it's only it's only going to um be bad for the game in the long run and um have only adverse effects towards it so i i think that buying proxies is okay personally i think that buying counterfeits is is way way different and definitely not not a good thing to participate in yeah, yeah go ahead Bert. same mind where it's just like don't don't I don't enjoy encourage counterfeits and and even the proxies um if, if you do purchase them much like i was talking about earlier i do like my cards to know that they're fake typically those kind of proxies will have on the back um like this is a proxy not a real card so on and so forth um so th I, those i feel like are fine um definitely but yeah we, we never want to encourage counterfeit um that's just taken away from the game that we all enjoy yeah, absolutely. Um, and I definitely thought that was important to bring up. That's why I put that in the notes. I think that a lot of new players may fall into that trap, but just make sure, yeah, have somebody alter it for you. You can do an alter. You can do alter sleeves. Those help a lot. Um, or you can just do the old writing on the back of a magic card or print off. But, yeah, don't buy counterfeits. Um, and have someone check your handwriting when you when you, <laughs> when you make a make – a, uh, a proxy or else you'll have a uh, 30 comment long post on your local magic the gathering uh scenes page of people trying to decipher what you wrote which is what happened to me what was the card that you were trying to proxy it was silence i i wrote on the back of a card silence and uh my friend found it and posted a picture of it and just asked the question, what does this card say? And I got like some wild responses. Like some people thought it said force. Some people thought it was said this, it was like this French word or something. It, it was, and it was silence and it, it was so funny. I think one person finally got it, but it was just hilarious. <laughs> just had entire community trying to decipher what this one thing said. And if you want to see the uh, the way he wrote it and the card specifically, just take a look at the thumbnail because that is this week's thumbnail. <laughs> uh, that that's I assure you that says silence. 
That's so great. Yeah, I, I saw that card and I was like, what in the world, Matt, does that say? Um, so, I, you know, proxies, uh, I definitely think can can have a myriad of responses. But yeah, we just wanted to at least touch, even if it's only for a part of an episode, about proxies. I think they're very important in, in the community. I definitely think that there are uh, people that feel very against it and very for it. Or maybe they even ride the fence a little. So, like I said, always have that rule zero conversation. Let people know that you're proxying and why or what you're proxying. Maybe not specifically the card, but you know what I mean. Um, just have that conversation with them. Uh, but now, since we've talked about proxies, uh, we really kind of want to move in and talk about some really cool uh, Strixhaven spoilers that have come out this week. Um, and so we're just going to go ahead and jump right in. So the card that I continue to be very excited about for uh, Strixhaven is going to be uh, Liliana of the Yale, as I've seen said online. Oh my god, that's gold. <laughs> Yes, I, I heard I heard one of my friends say that, and I was like, oh, yes. Oh, my so, God. Professor Onyx, um, if anybody hasn't seen, I can't remember if we touched on this in the last, I don't think that Liliana was pulled by the last, in the last episode. No. But the, the infinite combo um, with Liliana, Professor Onyx, uh, is Chain of Smog. And uh, Bert was actually the one who who told me how this works. Uh, is with Professor Onyx, she has a, the passive ability of Magecraft, which is whenever you cast or copy an instant cast or copy. So Storm applies to this as well. An instant or sorcerer spell, each opponent loses two life and you gain two life. So the combo with her and Chain of Smog, which is one black and one target player discards two cards. Uh, they maybe i'm messing it up is it they discard two cards and then they can discard two cards to copy it or change copy it again i believe that's that's the card yeah Dang, so it's uh, target player discards two cards that player may copy this spell and may choose a new target for that copy yeah so you just so you just cast it target yourself discard discard two cards do it again mm -hmm. discard again and then if you have no cards in hand just keep doing it over and over again and every time you do it you're draining everybody for two life and oh oh i'm so excited to play with that card that 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 is my favorite spoiler so far yeah that is super super good dude and not to mention the art on professor onyx is stellar it's my favorite art of liliana thus far uh, I'm definitely fangirling, but anyway, Bert, what about you? What's your, what's your favorite card so far? So number one, the new Boros cards really have me over here looking at, looking at them just like, Hey, big head, how you doing? <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm just so much in love. Um, but the one I'm gonna talk about today is the one I've tweeted about, but it's reconstruct history. Um, so it's two generic, a red and a white, and it's a sorcery. So, return up to one target artifact card, up to one target enchantment, up to one target instant, up to one target sorcery, and up to one target planeswalker card from your graveyard to your land. Exile reconstruct oh my history. God. So, wow. <laughs> the funny thing about this is, I built, uh, in, in, in our absence, I built like a, a KNT uh, combo deck actually. Um, where the combo is basically just guys in the CM Bloom Tender, 
Um, and this card is just the recursion that I want for that deck. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'm so high on this card. And I, I think you only have to get two cards back for it to be good, right? And if it, it doesn't get a creature, sure, whatever. But I think once you get your two cards back, it's going to be fine. This is uh, my this is my Donna charge. So a quick story on <laughs> Donna charge is in an RTR draft. I, I was drafting and I saw the card Donna charge. It was a full Donna charge. And so I'm like, man, this card's sweet for my deck. This card's really good. Overload. Plus two, plus oh, no, I'm taking this. Um, my rare, however, was a, I think it was like a Hallowed Fountain, something with blue in it, something that went for money at the time. And so I pass it, and then the person next to me is like, did you just pass this Shockland? And I'm like, yeah. And then they're like, why? And I'm just like, Donna Charge was in the pack. And so <laughs> from that point, people were just like, <laughs> give me their copies of Dino Charge. So to this day, one of our friends, uh, Dylan, he will give me, a, if he finds a Dino Charge, he will give it to me. That is so amazing. I've actually been wondering, because I've heard people mention Dino, Tar- Dino Charge around you before, yeah. and I'd never heard that story. <laughs> I'm the same way. I've I've wondered what the Dino, what the connection with Bert and Dino Charge was. It is a meme. I, I was so high on that card. I think I won that draft, too, if I remember right. But I, <laughs> this is my Dino Charge for this set. So this has my Dino Charge seal of approval. That is that is actually so great. I also just realized something about this set. They reprinted Grinning Ignis. I just noticed that. Um, so that that'll make uh, that will make historic fun for people that play Arena with Grinning Ignis and Burgie. Um but my card that I'm stoked about. Now, I don't know what in the world I'm going to do with this card yet. But number one, it's a legendary creature named Cody, uh, which is all I ever needed. Uh, and it's a Codex construct. You cannot cast permanent spells. It's a three mana, one four. Uh, pay four, tap it, add Wooberg to your mana pool. When you cast your next spell this turn, exile cards from the top of your library until you exile an instant or sorcery card with lesser mana value. Until end of turn, you may cast that card without paying its mana cost. Put each other card exiled this way on the bottom of your library in a random order. That just sounds like so five color spell singing good stuff, and I'm all about that. Especially if it's a legendary creature named Cody that's colorless. <laughs> Definitely really sweet. Yeah, this this set is looking really, really good. Um, I definitely one thing I want to talk about real quick before we go into more spoilers. I am so impressed and so blown away by the Mystical Archives cards that they're doing. Like, they're so good, and it looks so amazing. Like, I just, I can't get over the way that the the art style for those Mystical Archives are absolutely stunning. And I can't wait. I grossly uh, underestimated, not misunderstood, I grossly underestimated how many of these they were doing also. Like, there are so many that they're printing. At this point, I think it's like, what are you supposed to get? Like, is there like one in each pack by this point now? Yeah, at least one. At least one. Is what I've seen. Okay, all right. That makes sense because there's just a ton. Yeah. Um, 126 cards. The Japanese ones oh, are God, by far my favorite. Oh, yes. Yeah. By the way, did y'all see? Uh, I, I just like in the last day or so, 
wasn't there like a plagiarism claim made yeah, against against one of those? I didn't read too far into it. It's like the crux of fate was somebody else's art or something. Like I don't want to spread yeah. misinformation, so I don't. I, wanna... I was definitely waiting for some more info to come out, but yeah, uh, I saw the tweet about it and it it was pretty close. Um, the Nicobolis and the Crux of Fate art was literally just, it looked like they had just copied and pasted it from, I forget the Deviant Artist's name, but they, from their Deviant Art. Oh, dang. No, I, I, yeah, I had not heard about that. Or I had heard about it, I just didn't know the details. And then there's the whole, uh... <laughs> Hot and cold no. takes on faithless looting. I stand faithless looting. <laughs> y'all, y'all will not. Not in my podcast. Uh, we stand faithless looting. I, I like it because what people don't understand is that this was all, I think it was acrylic painted. And the, the fact that they were able to get the skin tone to look so real that people thought it was photoshopped is an actual compliment because that is amazing. Mm-hmm. Man, that, but, is, uh, that is some creepy art. It is I definitely. It's like the Carly. It's like a, what is it, Hushbringer? Yeah, With, uh, yeah. Everybody was like, eh. now one thing about this set, which man, I I used to have a Kaikar Winds Fury deck, but it was more like Cantrip Storm. Now I want to build the the Spirit version because we have so much cool Spirit stuff in at least in those colors. Like we have Hofri Ghost Forge, the Dwarf Cleric Three, and Boros. Uh, Spirits you control get plus one, plus one, have trample and haste. Uh, the other part is irrelevant to me. Whenever another non-token creature you control dies, exile it and you can create a copy of it, except it's a spirit. Uh, whenever this creature leaves the battlefield, return the... Anyway, I like the spirit part. I think that's really cool. The second part is pretty cool. And then we also have Venerable Warsinger, which is a spirit cleric. There's just so many cool spirits stuff going on in this set. And Boros, which is super cool. I I would be tempted to say that Hofri is my vote for the best legendary creatures so like so far, uh, with the most commander potential. However, I think the fact that he's Boros and you don't have uh, black or blue in his in his uh, colors is may make deck building with him a little bit difficult, especially since you're dealing with spirits, which are predominantly um, I would say Esper colored. Um, so I could see that being an interesting, um, deck building challenge for some, for somebody to undertake, but no, hopefully it's very sweet. Yeah. I, and also we have a whole new kind of hate bear. So strict proctor, uh, one in a white one, three spirit, spirit cleric flying whenever a permanent entering the battlefield causes a triggered oh, ability yeah. to trigger counter it unless that controller pays two. <sighs> Another another hate bear. Love to see it. So okay, do, does do you guys have one more car you want to do just for this episode? I yeah. uh, I I had yeah I actually had one more I wanted to throw in um, that I actually think is is has a lot of potential to be a great EDH card. Uh, personally, uh, is wandering archaic. If if y'all haven't seen yes. him. Yes, I I think he is sweet because he's just a passive uh, card advantage in a way because he's a 
He's a five mana, four, four avatar, and he's colorless, so he can go in any deck. Whenever an opponent casts an instant or sorcery spell, they may pay two, two generic mana. If they don't, you may copy that spell, and you may choose new targets for the copy. So, if uh, you're playing with somebody, and they Mystical Tutor, and they either choose not to, or or don't have enough mana to pay, you get a free Mystical Tutor. And um, that can go for any instant or sorcery. I think he is very cool, and I think there's a lot of potential there for him to be a uh, really good EDH card. Yeah, I agree with that, absolutely. Bart, did you have a, another one you want to talk about? Um, Yeah, but the it, it's a cycle. Um, It's just going to be the campuses. Um, They're basically guild gates, but they have uh, another ability where you can pay for and tap and then scry one. And I just like that. I, I just like having lands that do stuff. Especially a budget lands that's going to do stuff because they're at common, right? So the Burroughs decks get to scry one for five mana technically, <laughs> which is going to feel bad, but at least you have the option. I mean, in grinding games of Commander, it'd be better to have uh, that than in Guildgate. At least you get some value if you have nothing else right. going on. Strictly um, better Guildgate. I think mine is it's a black instant, Sinister Domain. Uh, so here's how it reads. You may pay one in a black rather than pay the spell's mana cost. If you pay the one in the black cost, an opponent draws a card. Exile, target, creature, or planeswalker. Yeah, no, that card's sweet. Typically, it's three in a black. But I love the fact that, like, depending on the situation, you can either pay the four mana or if you... Maybe they're hell-bent and you just give them one card. Or maybe they have too many cards and it doesn't matter at that point. You have the ability to pay... Two mana to exile target creature or planeswalker. Exile is the most important part of that card. Uh, do you have to give the the card to the person that you targeted the thing for, or is it just uh, an opponent? Uh, an opponent. So yeah, you just make a friend too. Yep, you can literally do it to anybody. That's I didn't even think about that. That's an even better part. A uh, question uh, that I want to ask y'all uh, because this came up in. Uh, I, I mean, of course, if we have time for this as well, but um. How do y'all think the lesson, the learning mechanic is going to impact ADH and the non-use of uh, sideboards or wishboards? Do you think that, that this might be a push to change that, especially since Wizards wants to pivot to uh, supporting EDH so much? So, I, I don't think so, and the only reason I say that is because um, Learn also has a little caveat uh, tagged on the end of it um because it's learn and you may reveal a lesson card you own from the outside of the game put it into your hand or discard a card to draw a card so i don't think a lot of the edh players That's a are good gonna point. go for the lesson cards i don't think they might have a lesson board uh lesson plan i guess is what we would call it um, that might be cool, but I do think it's just going to be the loot effect a lot of times in EDH. Yeah, I think wish wish abilities in EDH are a little difficult. And the learn, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but so far the learn, uh, the spells that you can get, the lessons are not super crazy. Mm -hmm. Unless they're unless they're trying to do like what they've done before and just save all the really sweet ones for right right next to release they true, i mean they've done that, something like that before cuz um 
but but that, if anything, if they're if they're wanting to introduce a new mechanic, I have to imagine that they're going to try to at least make it kind of cool. So I'm still kind of optimistic for for it because I think we've mostly seen like common and uncommon lessons so far. Uh, yeah. Also, I think this is super interesting too. We got a legendary creature, and it's a modal double face card. Except for the other side is a sorcery. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that card's sweet. Um, and the ability to play that in the command zone and have access to that, especially because the sorcery you can make it cost less, is super interesting. It's almost like a. I mean, it's not a Planeswalker, but it's kind of like Oathbreaker in that sense. Like, you have that spell in the command zone. I actually really... And the card is super dope. So, Shadow Inner Sleeves are going to be mandatory from now on. Because, like, every other card has two faces now. Everything is in in the... What is it? Modal double... There's some term for it. I can't remember what it is. MDFC. MDFC, yeah, modal double face card. Every almost every one of them is is something to that degree now. Yeah, I I just I'm you know every day I'm more excited about this set. Like I think they've really done a it's a really cool direction, and I'm really excited about it. I haven't been this excited since Throne of Eldraine. All right, uh... just hope it's not another Throne of Eldraine <laughs> at the end of the day. <laughs> <laughs> ban, 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 ban. Uh, but yeah, I think that about wraps it up for this episode. I mean, I just wanted to, you know, we just wanted to touch base about proxies, talk a little Strixhaven, have get a little excited about that. Um, let us know what cards you guys so far are wanting to get for your commander decks. Um, this set looks super awesome. We also have a spirit dog, so that's cool. Um, but anyways, thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you for your patience with the delayed episode. We are going to be back uh, on schedule starting this Thursday. We'll have another episode come out and then every Thursday after that. Uh, for the see, for the foreseeable future. Um, thank you guys so much. I'm Brandon, and you can find us on Twitch at twitch.tv slash pod of three, the number three, MTG. We're going to start streaming a little bit more frequently just to get some cool commander games or deck building or whatever live. Um, you can also find us on Twitter at pod of three MTG, and we have a Facebook page at pod of three MTG on Facebook. So check us out, follow us, interact with us. We'd love to hear about from you
Thank you.